Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, it's so good to be back home um, in my own office, looking out at the field behind my house. Uh, it is a little bit warm here. It turned, The weather turned the last couple of days uh, and I got caught out um, doing too much sport in the heat yesterday. But I'm okay today. I've drunk lots of fluids and I should be all right. Uh, so now at, at home, now that I'm home, I'm working on Friday Barnes 12, the manuscript. Um, I'm in deep in the process of editing that. And I'm rehearsing the Christmas show, which are coming up in just a few weeks. I have the first one in Brisbane. So that's what's going on here. You know, Christmas shopping has started. I'm very excited about Christmas and Christmas shopping and all that sort of thing. So I'm going to start replaying the, uh, the Christmas specials of the podcast in a couple of weeks because I love those episodes. I love those stories. I might see if I can uh, write a fresh Christmas story for this year. Perhaps a Friday Barnes one again. We'll see. Anyway, today, uh, because I'm deep in the edits of Friday Barnes, I'm going to do a chapter from one of the Nanny Piggins books to save myself a bit of work this week. And uh, I thought I'd do this one. It's it's a favourite from uh, Nanny Piggins and the Race to Power, which is the, <laughs> I like to think of it as the book that is catsick yellow coloured, but um, <laughs> I'm quite sure my publisher does not want me to refer to the book that way. It's got a beautiful picture of Nanny Piggins dressed as a mare running across the cover. Um, anyway, I'm going to read chapter five, uh, and that's Nanny Piggins and the Happy News. Here we go. Nanny Piggins and the children were sitting around the dining table eating breakfast. Mr. Green was there also, but they knew from experience that if they focused purely on the delight of chocolate-covered Belgian waffles served with chocolate sauce and chocolate ice cream on the side, they could forget about him entirely. Normally, Mr. Green was happy with this arrangement. He liked forgetting about the existence of his children, too. In fact, he was able to do it for several days or even weeks at a time, and without even the aid of chocolate-covered waffles. But on this particular morning, Mr. Green did not want to be forgotten. He was smirking and chortling in the way that some people do when they have something they want to rub another person's nose in. He was on his fifth <laughs> when Nanny Piggins put down her spoon and turned on him. Spit it out then, she demanded. Mr. Green flinched. And when I say spit it out, continued Nanny Piggins, I don't mean spit out that horrible high-fibre muesli you insist on eating. I mean spit out whatever it is you so obviously desperately want to say. I have spent many, many years perfecting my chocolate-covered waffle recipe. King Albert II of Belgium himself awarded me the country's highest honour, the knighthood of the Order of Leopold, for my creation. So I will not have the waffle-eating experience of these children soiled by your pathetic attempts to strike up conversation. It shows how much Mr. Green desperately wanted to say what he had to say because he resisted the opportunity to denounce Nanny Piggins for being rude. 
He could confidently assume she would give him opportunity to do that again later. So he did spit it out. <laughs> Have you seen the news this morning? He smirked. Nanny Pickens and the children groaned. Mr. Green was so awful at making conversation, it was terribly painful when he tried to protract the experience by being cryptic. Obviously, I have neither seen nor heard nor read the news, said Nanny Piggins. I made Belgian waffles for breakfast. Nanny Piggins indicated the huge platter of waffles in front of her and the children. As if I would go to all the trouble of making something so supremely delightful, then ruin the whole experience by finding out what was going on in the rest of the world today. Unless the entire rest of the world made themselves Belgian waffles too, I don't want to know about it. The morning news bulletin will be on in five minutes, continued Mr. Green. He was undeterred because he'd stopped listening to Nanny Piggins and was just waiting for her to stop speaking so that he could start again. Something many men do. You should watch. I think you'll find it very interesting. At this point, Mr. Green actually giggled. I would say he giggled like a schoolgirl, but that would not be true. If you hear a schoolgirl giggle, it's a perfectly pleasant sound, in moderation. But hearing Mr. Green giggle was so revolting, it actually made Nanny Pickens feel slightly sick, and therefore put her off finishing her chocolate-covered waffles. Naturally, she fought this instinct and ate the waffles anyway, but the joy of the whole experience had definitely been ruined. Nanny Pickens sighed. I suppose we might as well watch the news now, she said. Waffles do not taste as good when your father is talking, and he's obviously intent on gloating about something. So we'd better find out what it is so we can take appropriate retribution. At this point, Mr. Green stopped smirking. He'd been such a hurry to irritate Nanny Pickens, he had entirely forgotten to put on his shin pads. And he had learnt from bitter experience that it could be very painful to irritate Nanny Pickens without wearing this essential protective equipment. I've got to go to the office, said Mr. Green, with which he leapt up and sprinted from the room. Your father is a very strange man, said Nanny Pickens. So are we going to watch the news? asked Michael. We'd better, said Nanny Piggins. I don't want him to ruin another meal. I'm planning chocolate mousse for dinner. They trooped into the living room, still licking chocolate off their hands, fully expecting to see that their father had done something silly, like hold a press conference announcing his intention to close the local children's hospital, or rip up all the trees along the main street, or push old ladies onto the road, or something equally morally bankrupt. But sadly, it was nothing that pleasant. For a start, they had to sit through five utterly miserable and bleak stories about a famine in North Korea, a war in Africa, and a celebrity who almost died after drinking too much bottled water. I don't think there's anything on the news relevant to us at all, denounced Nanny Piggins. I think your father just tricked us into watching the news as a cruel joke to make us depressed and afraid of water. At that moment, a more familiar face flicked onto the screen. It was Mr. Green. He had evidently held a press conference earlier that morning. I am bringing these important documents to light about the true character of my mayoral opponent, Sarah Matahari Lorelei Piggins, announced Mr. Green. Is it the secret about how she makes her hair so bouncy and gorgeous? called a female reporter from the front row. Is it her chocolate cake recipe? called a heavy set older journalist from the back.
Is it the photographs of her sunbathing in a bikini? called a young journalist, who'd been hopelessly in love with Nanny Piggins ever since she had slammed into him one time while running home with an armload of butter to make croissants. No, no, no. I have documents proving that Sarah Piggins is a convicted criminal, began Mr. Green. In the greenhouse, Nanny Piggins leapt up and started yelling at the television. But I was given a full pardon because the judge was insane. Sadly, at the press conference recorded earlier, Mr. Green could not hear Nanny Piggins, so he continued. She regularly associates with known jailbird Mr. T. Ringmaster. Only when he kidnaps me, argued Nanny Piggins. And she broke into a maximum security prison, concluded Mr. Green. But only because I was hungry for Chinese food, wailed Nanny Piggins. Mr. Green looked very smug and proud of himself on the television screen. Is that all? asked a senior journalist. What do you mean, is that all? cried Mr. Green. She's a serial criminal, a menace to society. Her cakes are tasty, though, called out a younger journalist. The other journalists murmured their agreement. Nanny Piggins switched off the television. I've had enough of that, she declared. Would you like us to fetch your hot pink wrestling, Leotard, so you can go and punish father? asked Michael. No, I'm not upset with your father, said Nanny Piggins. You're not, asked Samantha. He was very rude. He defamed you publicly, said Derek. But is it defamation when it's all true, asked Michael. Yes, said Derek. Then he definitely defamed you, said Michael. Of course he did, said Nanny Piggins. I would expect nothing less from such a small man. And when I say small, I obviously do not refer to his waistline, because that is quite large. No, Mr. Green is small of spirit, brain and common sense. He is not worthy of me spending half my day chasing him about town in my hot pink wrestling leotard just because he is too silly to stand still and let me bite his shins. Really? asked Samantha, surprised at her nanny's uncharacteristic magnanimity. No, I'm angry with the news for broadcasting such a pile of bleak misery, declared Nanny Piggins. You mean the truth? asked Derek. Precisely, said Nanny Piggins. I'm going down there to put a stop to it. But you were going to drive us to school today, Samantha reminded her. Obviously you can't go to school now, said Nanny Piggins. We have an outrage to rectify. Michael did not say anything. He just beamed with pleasure. They were going to dissect broccoli in his class today, so he was happy to miss that. You will have to come with me, said Nanny Piggins. If I'm going to tell these news people off, I shall need your support. You can bring a thesaurus to help me think up extra rude things to yell at them. A few minutes later, Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children pulled up outside the local television station. It was a very unimpressive establishment. A windowless, concrete, single-storey building with the words Dulsford Community Television Station hand-painted on the outside. Are you sure this is the television station? asked Nanny Piggins, consulting the map. The sign says it's a television station, said Derek. But it's so unimpressive, said Nanny Piggins. Perhaps it's a ruse, and really it's the headquarters for an international branch of wicked super spies. I think even naughty international super spies, who do anything to avoid being arrested by Interpol, would still have too much pride to work in such a run-down building, said Boris. Being a Russian ballet dancer, he knew lots of international super spies, because they were always going undercover as ballet dancers. Nanny Piggins kicked in the front door of the TV station. She actually had to because the steel door had rusted and swollen shut. Right, I'm taking over this institution, she announced as she strode into the studio. Nanny Piggins was impressive at the best of times. 
but none more so than when she was wearing her hot pink wrestling leotard. Shh, we're in the middle of a bulletin, hissed the floor manager. All the more reason for me to intervene, said Nanny Piggins. I saw your last bulletin and it was an abomination to the good name of television. How dare you sully the same airways that bring us joyful programs like The Young and the Irritable and The Bold and the Spiteful. But those shows always make you cry, pointed out Derek. Yes, but I enjoy doing it, said Nanny Piggins. These news bulletins just make everyone unhappy. And think of all the poor people who watch the news while they eat dinner. It would totally ruin their food. And I cannot abide anybody who ruins food. Excuse me, said the newsreader, giving up any attempt to continue reading the news. I've been reading the news here for eight years, and I just want to say... This pig is entirely right. Here, here, agreed Nanny Piggins. The news is always miserable, continued the newsreader. Some nights I have to pinch myself in the leg to stop myself from bursting into tears in the middle of the broadcast. Boris burst into tears. He could tell he'd met a kindred spirit. If she has some way to cheer up the bulletin, please let her do it, said the newsreader. It's so hard to get out of bed in the morning when I know I've got to come into work and read all this sadness. Boris immediately rushed over and gave the newsreader a big hug. Oh, you poor man, said Boris. The thought of going to work in the morning makes me want to cry too. That's why I live in a garden shed and only teach a few afternoon ballet classes to earn my pocket money. We can't let a pig burst in here and take over, protested the news director, emerging from the control room. We have a civic responsibility to report the news. To who? asked Nanny Piggins. The few poor souls who've broken the remote control on their television. No one is watching this drivel, and all the people who are watching aren't paying attention. You can't change the editorial policy of the station without consulting the board of directors, argued the news director. I'll make a bet with you, said Nanny Piggins. I bet if I change the editorial policy, the board won't notice because they don't watch this station either. But you are running for mayor, continued the news director. People will be cross if we let you take over. Why? asked Nanny Piggins. They should be impressed by my initiative and leadership. But what about the rest of the bulletin? asked the floor manager. This is going to air and we haven't finished yet. Let me finish it, said Nanny Piggins. The newsreader happily got out of the way so he could go and weep with Boris in the corner. Just read what's on the order queue, the floor manager told her. Nanny Piggins settled herself in the chair, picked up the sheets of copy on the desk, then tossed them over her shoulder and ignored the autocue entirely. Good evening. I am mayoral candidate Sarah Matahari Lorelei Piggins, began Nanny Piggins, and I am taking over this news bulletin because I think the journalists here are a bunch of old misery guts who should be ashamed of themselves. So this is the news according to me. Earlier today, the King of England went to the Battersea Dog Shelter and adopted a thousand puppies, then threw Prince Andrew out of his palace and let the dogs live there. Oh, I like puppies, murmured the newsreader between sobs. In South America, continued Nanny Piggins, the president of Brazil sent a bag of Brazil nuts to every citizen in his country as a thank you present for electing him in the first place. Oh, what a nice man, said Boris, dabbing his eyes. And in Papua New Guinea, a remote group of tribeswomen discovered the cure for the common cold, said Nanny Piggins, but decided not to tell anyone because they think it's fun to stay in bed eating chocolate and watching daytime television when you have a runny nose. And now for the weather. Nanny Piggins turned and looked at the weatherman. 
Thank you. Tomorrow in Dulsford, the weather will be cold and wet, said the weatherman. No, it won't, interrupted Nanny Piggins. It will be warm and sunny all day until four o'clock in the afternoon, where there will be a very brief shower so we can all put on our rain boots and jump in puddles. But according to the synoptic charts, protested the weatherman, the viewers do not want to know about your sinuses. Thank you, said Nanny Piggins. So from everyone here at the Dulsford News team, especially me, mayoral candidate Sarah Matahari Lorelei Piggins, good night. Clear, called the floor manager. Not a word you said is true, protested the news director. Not the news bulletin, not the weather, and you even said good night when it's ten o'clock in the morning. Pish, said Nanny Piggins. Other types of television are all made up, like soap operas and medical dramas, so why not make up the news? What's she talking about, asked Boris. What does she mean saying soap operas are made up? Don't you worry yourself about it, said Samantha. Just put your paws over your ears for a few minutes. You can't fictionalise the news, argued the news director. Why not, asked Nanny Piggins. Because, because it's the news, wailed the news director. Come now, said Nanny Piggins. I've heard more reasoned arguments from three-year-olds. Gosh, it's jolly good of the king to adopt all those puppies, said the newsreader. But he didn't, yelled the news director. This pig just made that up. The newsreader looked like he was about to cry. Nanny Piggins wrapped him in a big hug. There you go, said Nanny Piggins to the news director. This is exactly what you do to your viewers every day. You wear them down and make them upset. Life is hard enough. When people get home and turn on the television, they do so to find relief. The last thing they want is truth and reality. We get more than enough of reality from reality, thank you very much. This is crazy, said the news director. Of course it is, said Nanny Piggins. Crazy people have all the best ideas. Look at Leonardo da Vinci. Total genius, designed a helicopter in the 16th century, but it was 400 years before the invention of aviation fuel to power it. Talk about nutty as a fruitcake. Hold on a minute. Why are we standing around arguing? Derek, be a dear and run out to the car and fetch a cake. No, better make that a dozen large cakes of the chocolate variety. Nanny Piggins rightly judged that once they'd eaten a slice of her cake, the news director and his television crew would capitulate and give her anything she wanted. After the first mouthful, they were begging her to give up her mayoral aspirations and become a television executive. When 11 o'clock rolled around, the crew were still eating, so they let Nanny Piggins read the news again. This time she did not make up any news stories at all. She just dictated her recipe for chocolate cake and recounted the time the Crown Prince of Spain tried to elope with her because he'd fallen desperate in love with her apple strudel. Mm, this can't go on, said the news director, licking chocolate icing from his fingers before helping himself to another slice. You can't just read out recipes. You have to do some news. But the cake recipe was news, argued Nanny Piggins. Using chocolate-flavoured butter, chocolate milk and six bars of molten chocolate was a breakthrough in the development of bakery. Oh, but at the 12 o'clock bulletin, we must report some actual news, argued the news director. Don't worry, I've got it covered, said Nanny Piggins. I've already called in a few friends to drop in and help us out. At 10 minutes to 12, the entire cast of The Young and the Irritable turned up. Darlings, cried Nanny Piggins with delight. It's so good to see you. Nanny Piggins had once been the head writer of The Young and the Irritable. For more information, see Chapter 8 of Nanny Piggins and the Daring Rescue. Where's the cake? asked the actor who played Vincent. You told us there would be cake if we arrived before noon. And there will be, promised Nanny Piggins. I just need you to do a little bit of acting for me first. What followed was spectacular. 
Because now Nanny Pickens was reading the news and crossing to live dramatizations acted out by her soap opera star friends. The actor who played Vincent played the head of the Water Quality Authority, who was responsible for a thousand tonnes of ping-pong balls falling into the ocean. He gave a passionate speech, accepting all the blame, but explaining that he'd made the dreadful mistake because he was in love with the woman who checked his gas meter. Then the woman who checked his gas meter burst into the studio. She was being played by the actress who played Bethany and declared that she wasn't really a menial water board employee. She was, in fact the head of police, on a sting operation to entrap him. But she had found no evidence because he was blameless and instead had fallen deeply in love with him. The news bulletin ended with a ten-minute session of them kissing passionately in between looking off into the middle distance and talking about how lucky they were to have found each other. For the one o'clock bulletin, Nanny Pickens got Buff Senior and Buff Junior to play political rivals who gave up on reasoned debate and settled their differences by stripping off their shirts and combating in a professional wrestling match. And in the two o'clock bulletin, the actress who played Sabrina pretended to be the Prime Minister of Turkey and sang a heartbreaking ballad about how devastated she was to learn that the Prime Minister of Turkey did not get to eat roast turkey every day for lunch. Between all the cake and the heady atmosphere of drama and requited love, even the crew started to really enjoy themselves. Broadcasting the news had never been so much fun. It was such a relief to have a day with no talk of car accidents, war or politics. Everything was going swimmingly until the real boss, the chairman of the board of directors, burst into the studio. What on earth is going on here? demanded the chairman of the board. Um, said the news director. On hearing the question put so plainly, he suddenly realised it would sound foolish to say that they had let a pig take over the news and make everything up. Fortunately, Nanny Piggins came to his aid. Do not blame your staff. If they showed any weakness of character, it is purely because of their low blood sugar levels, because of you, as their employer, failing to provide adequate doughnuts in the break room. Therefore... I have hijacked this newsroom in the name of happiness to prevent them from broadcasting any more misery-inducing stories about reality or what mean people are doing to each other in far distant countries. Well, whatever you're doing, yelled the chairman, keep it up. The ratings have gone through the roof. They've doubled with each bulletin. There were only 67 people watching at the nine o'clock bulletin. Oh, yeah, that'd be my mum and her friends at the nursing home, said the floor manager. They like to watch so they can laugh at me when I come in to visit. Now there are tens of thousands of people tuning in, continued the chairman. With ratings like that, we'll actually be able to attract advertisers and give everyone pay rises. These workers don't want pay rises, protested Nanny Piggins. Ah, yes, we do, protested the workers. Okay, well, yes, they do, conceded Nanny Piggins. But more importantly... They want doughnuts and chocolate biscuits and real coffee, or better yet, hot chocolate in the break room. And perhaps a window, suggested the floor manager. I ended up in hospital last year from vitamin D deficiency. And so the Dulsford Community Television Station became the first television news service to entirely fictionalise the news, although tabloid newspapers had been doing a similar thing for years and specialised solely in happy news, with the guarantee of at least one declaration of love and wedding per bulletin. It was a huge success. News stations around the world syndicated their programme or copied it outright. And in show business, there is no higher form of flattery than plagiarism and violating someone's copyright. 
Will you stay and oversee the transformation of our new service? asked the chairman. I would love to, said Nanny Piggins, but I'm afraid I have an even more vitally important job, looking after these children. Plus, you are running for mayor, Michael reminded her. Oh, yes, that too, agreed Nanny Piggins. But I think of that more as a silly hobby than an actual job. You'd better not mention that in any of your campaign speeches, suggested Derek. And that is the end of the story. I hope you enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed reading that. I hadn't read that for a while. Anyway, that's it from me this week. And until next time, goodbye.